0: Empire. These guys aren't changing the game, but maybe how we engage with the game?
1: So this isn't like a Facebook group, it isn't like a public space or a, or a brand that is seeing 50 million people at once. It's the opportunity to take the user, get to know them, and chat to them like they might want to be chatted to.
0: Alex Beckman and Kalen Stanijev founded Game On, which is helping NHL fans and the NHL itself get to know each other even better. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. We have a classic Stanley Cup final all tied up at two games apiece at the time of this taping. So the conversation in those hockey chat rooms, it's got to be fierce. Alex Beckman and Kalen Stanijev are part of bringing those people even closer, and we'll get to them in a bit. You'll also hear their thoughts on the kind of tech that they're in jumping into those warm gambling waters, which is happening in our nation's capital as well. We'll get an update on how they are going about it. But first, the future is now. The other day, I bought my two kids some new shoes. They're aged 10 and six, and because their feet are ever-changing, we got them sized. This was as old school as it gets, in a store with a salesperson, pulling out one of those old metal foot slide rules to make sure that we got it right. So here's the problem. Who's going to do that in a mall anymore, besides me? Well, guess what? No one owns those foot measurement devices, so Nike is trying to figure out this problem. Eben Novi Williams wrote about it for Bloomberg and he joins us now. Hey, Eben, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? What problem are they trying to solve here?
2: Yeah, there, there's two main problems they're trying to solve. The first one being a problem for the consumer, kind of just as you laid out, uh, especially for kids whose who's feet are, are changing sizes, uh, but also adults. You know, there are the, the numbers Nike gave me, 60% of people, uh, adults walking around right now are wearing shoes that aren't the proper fit for them. Um, and you're right, people don't own those Brannock devices, those classic metal devices. Uh, they also don't go to brick-and-mortar stores all that much anymore. Uh, so Nike unveiled a computer vision software Software on your iPhone that lets you solve it, let, lets you uh, size your feet width, length, volume right there in the comfort of your own home. The other issue that they're solving, and this may be more important to Nike than the consumer piece of it, is their own business problems. Um, 27% of shoes bought online are returned for, for size problems. Nike said they get over half a million complaints on fit, shoe fit alone. Every year, you know, the, the process of, you know people in stores grabbing multiple boxes letting you try them all on putting them all back all those things are inefficiencies in their business um and they're hoping that this app will fix
0: all those things um I, this seems to be a simple question but how do adults not know their shoe size
2: yeah it's, it's interesting and 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 one of the things that nike will tell you is that the the shoe size no one has one shoe size that if you are a basketball player your shoe size might be eleven and a half but the shoes you walk around in maybe 12s. or if you're playing soccer and you want to fit a shoe that you know fits a little tighter because you have better feel on the ball then your shoe size may be eleven for hockey players out there they understand right that their hockey skate size is a, it's a fundamentally different number than their than their typical shoe size so part of nike's argument is that hey and this is another thing the app will do once it knows the shape of your foot it can tell you oh you're buying a basketball shoe this is your size oh you're buying a soccer cleat this is your size um, so you know it's it's, it's partially an issue of, of people not knowing their shoe size it's also partially an issue of picking
0: the shoe size that correlates to the shoe they're buying yeah, I mean I, I have had experience with that I'm sure everybody has I'll tell you what I have more experience with which is a shirt size can they fix that problem <laughs> too because I don't know I whether imagine... to get a medium or a large ever
2: it's a it's a great question uh and it's one that i posed to to folks over at nike they were a little coy about their future uh but yes i would imagine without question that in the future th- this computer vision software will extend beyond just shoes to also include clothing uh and and to be totally clear the the holy grail here and the in the absolute future both in footwear and for clothing is to get manufacturing to a point where you no longer order size, you no longer order the size 12, you order a size Bram, right, where they have the, a layout of your exact foot, um, and instead of ordering a size that's tailored to a number that, that may not be relevant, they're just making a shoe directly for you, and that's certainly a future that can exist in, in, in shirts as well. We're not there, quite there manufacturing, but in terms of the data that Nike wants to collect, they want to get to a point where you are just ordering a shoe custom made for the size of your foot and not a, a size or, or a half size up or down.
0: And whoever figures that out is going to be the next billionaire. Eben <laughs> Novi Williams from Bloomberg, thank you so much for the time. Absolutely. Up next, Alex Beckman and Kalen Stanagev, the founders of Game On. Our guests this week are Alex Beckman and Kalen Stanajev, the CEO and CPO, plus co-founders of Game On. They partnered with the NHL right in the middle of their playoff season to launch the NHL chatbot. Hey guys, how are you?
1: We're doing well, thanks. How are you?
0: Um, I don't think all of our listeners need this, but for those who don't know what a chatbot is, can you describe it?
3: Yeah, so a chatbot is a way for users on any messaging platform to chat directly with the business or brand and get automated responses. So in our case, we tend to focus on content and data and make that an engaging experience. I would add that I think that chatbots have been a confusing item um, in the broader
1: consumer industry, that chatbots have taken many forms and what we're focused on primarily is using chat as a way to let fans connect with their favorite content. And it so happens that bots or automating that interaction is a really good way to do that when done well. And that's what we've been focusing on for the past five years.
0: So uh, do you want to change the name? Do you think that it needs a name change?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's fair. I mean, Game On We Love, Um, we actually call them conversational applications um, and we try not to use the word bot. Um, I think it's what most people know, but yeah, if we could start to change the name, we would say it's It's the best way for fans to watch sports in chat. And we wouldn't use terms that are confusing.
0: How does this delineate itself from Twitter, Facebook groups in terms of engagement?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So Twitter is a broadcast network. We feel like Twitter is great for getting a message that everyone can receive at once. You're in your public voice if you're talking on it. And you're consuming with the opportunity to be anonymous or chime in um, if if you want to as an end user. Um, For brands... They have to have one message. It's really hard to tailor it down to the end user, and there's going to be a lot that goes on to compete for, for users' attention. And while, for example, NBA Twitter is a great product and I think a great use of Twitter, we're not really going after that. We're a very different model. What we see is people are already chatting on Facebook Messenger, Skype, Black, Kick, Telegram, Line, you name it. Their friends are there. Their families are there. And take the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, If you're a fan of the Blues or the the Bruins or the Sharks, which we are and they just lost, I was already chatting in those platforms with my friends about what was going on. That's different than reading and writing news back and forth in a public setting. And what we've seen is that the amount of folks that are chatting about any of these teams while these exciting opportunities are happening, um, there's a huge opportunity lost when those brands like the NHL aren't there. So this isn't like a Facebook group. It isn't like a public space or a a brand that is seeing 50 million people at once. It's the opportunity to take the user, get to know them, and chat to them like they might want to be chatted to. In the same way that if I'm chatting with my brother, sisters, mom, dad, and chat, each of those chats is tailored to me um, and, and back and forth. That's our goal, and that's what we've been able to accomplish. And chat is a unique um, landscape that allows for that as opposed to those other broader social networks you mentioned.
0: your mom is in the chats. is that you suggesting that? Is that actually really happening?
1: Yeah, I mean we <laughs> I've been a giant fan my whole life. I grew up a candlestick. um we've had tickets at the newball park now Oracle, I guess no longer a t and yeah. t since uh, it opened. and um my dad and I have been to every opening game together, and the three of us are in there chatting about all the favorite sports teams that we love because you I know mean, Bay area is an exciting place right now to be. so yeah so it's, it's that easy to use. the same way that my mom can use um iMessage or Facebook Messenger, we don't make it harder to now chat with the NHL or any of the other clients that we're onboarding in the near future.
0: So what are the goals that the NHL has for this?
3: So there are a few. One is to have a more personal relationship with their audience. So they have a lot of fans, they're everywhere. And finding a way to connect with them and getting their premium content in front of them in a more personalized and engaging way is is definitely a goal there. Finding ways to kind of extend the reach of their content in a lot of new and emerging areas so you can see a lot of spaces content's become a lot more fragmented and people spending more and more time in messaging spaces finding a way to be the deliverer of that content and have that conversation happening directly between the nhl and the user is is a big goal of theirs
1: yeah and and one of the things that kicked this off was in 2017 um the incoming cmo heidi browning pearson was in the Wall Street Journal, and there was a great article about the NHL's goal to get younger. And what we saw is that chat is a really great demographic for anyone that wants to get younger because chat is by definition young, and we can target young. And when we saw this, we thought, okay, younger audiences generally don't pay. Younger audiences generally don't want to go to the games or can't afford to go to the games, so it is hard for, I think, a bigger organization to reach them. And while I won't speak on behalf of the NHL too much, I'll say from our point of view, and I, I think a shared point of view, um, we, ha- we have seen that chat is a great way to get in touch with those fans. We make the offering free, and that's a big part of it. Um, and at a high level, if you're somebody who's interested but not ready to pay, not ready to put down you know anything, like I, I know that I've, I've paid my Comcast or direct TV bill since I was 20-something years old, and that'll probably be the service I spend the most with my whole lifetime. Um, My little brother, who's making an excellent salary as an engineer, won't even buy YouTube Plus, Um, (laughs) and that's like 20 bucks a month. And so we see that OTT isn't pay more or pay less. I think it's free or it's pay, and we can offer something really great for free, get folks to start using it. And that, that, what Kaylin just mentioned, that gives us the ability to fulfill all those goals with way less friction. Getting somebody to try something new is hard putting it where they already are is is a better idea than putting it somewhere they're not and making it easy to converse such that like we mentioned my mom can use it and it's not confusing make it natural language let them just talk and and our application um which we're no longer going to call a bot will just respond naturally like how many goals did the have he had this many and here's some highlights right that's an easy interaction back and forth that's what i would provide my mom if she asked me if i knew where to find it and that's what that's what we do for people on a daily basis 24-7 24-7 based on our technology.
0: Does this functionality eventually involve sports gambling or fantasy sports?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're smiling because we thought you might ask that. Um, <laughs> um, absolutely, I mean, I think that what we want to do is power the sports fan and the owner of sports content around the world to, to, to facilitate whatever both parties want to have happen. The, the biggest part of this is what we realized and why we got so excited, and I think why we've been able to attain such high-level clients and retain them is that it's a win-win um when fans are happy um we have a business model that allows folks who own that content to be happy too um gambling and fantasy and a- any number of games depending on what state or country you're in that make it allowed to be talked about are a huge part of this because like when i'm talking to my friends like last night while i was watching the warriors um you know finish up game two in toronto we were gambling on like you know was draymond going to finish the game was he going to get teed out Um, was Kawhi actually going to score in the last quarter, things like that. And that's how people talk. That's how they trash talk while they're watching sports. And we want to capture that. So it's not just taking, like, the existing world of fantasy and gambling and putting it into Game On. That's definitely part of it. But it's thinking through how can we evolve that industry in a way that makes it as fun as trash talking with your buddies. And is easy and then we automate everything else so that it's just a seamless experience for fans and content owners
0: so you guys are you've got the pulse of fans um and you're you're watching this i i'm curious if you see as vibrant a market for gambling by the hardcore fans as the leagues and the teams and the states are trying to figure out as they legalize this around the country
1: i would say yes to that question and that yeah i think that the hardcore fans do want to have more ways to engage they don't just want news they want to create news right they want to create content not just consume it and that's kind of what gambling is it's you you staking your claim to what's happening and becoming an expert or uh, i guess hopefully not but but that happens too right you get to you you win and lose with your team or with your your bet i actually am more excited and i think the part that's not talked about enough for, for the future of this is the casual fan and letting the casual fan quote unquote gamble and the reason i say Quote unquote, is that I don't think money has to be exchanged for money to be made. If we can get the hundreds of thousands of folks that probably would never walk into a sports book or might never place a gamble or a wager online, even if it was legalized in their state, to start talking about sports, and then we can suggest hey, it seems like you're pretty confident that Kevin Durant is going to stay in the Bay Area. You want to put some action on that? You want to tell Kalen that you think that he's going to stay? And if Kalen takes the bait, then go with it. We can learn so fast that we can say, "All right, you guys both seem diametrically opposed in a major way. Why don't you put five bucks on it and just exchange the five bucks between you and the other person?" That data is so valuable that we have two people that are so interested in Kevin Durant staying and leaving. We've got thirty touch points back and forth. We know how much they've just wagered. If I wager five bucks versus five thousand, I'm sitting up top versus I'm sitting down on the court, right? If I'm getting a StubHub ad. So those are the types of things that I'm really interested in. Social behavior, I think, is the, is the broader kind of genre. And then whether it's wagering for money or not, I think that's that's the entry point. The future of this is longer term around that.
0: Take me through your background, guys. You previously founded Event Live, which was what?
3: Yeah, so Event Live was a live video streaming platform, an end-to-end solution, and we, for a number of years, streamed a number of live events, concerts, festivals, and began extending that beyond just music, of course. And we learned a lot in regards to the social space around that content, which you can imagine dovetailed into you know the opportunity we've taken here. Yeah. And yeah, we, we ran that company for four to five years almost, yeah. And then it got acquired by Yahoo
1: and became the live component of Yahoo Screen. So we we streamed like Bon Jovi and Lady Gaga all the way down to some amazing country artists that had 10 people in the audience, but we were streaming that to a few hundred more. So kind of the the top of the scale to the tip of the scale. Um, And then um, it was awesome to see it turn into a concert today. But like Kalen said, what we saw was, and maybe to give a little more, it was everything from how to get the show from point A to point B, the video encoding, we built custom solutions, it was a huge engineering team with a couple of business folks and product folks, Kaelin and myself included, a little brother, Jonathan, and our good friend, David, who all kind of made that happen. But um, what we saw was our biggest competitor was Facebook Messenger, that when people loved their favorite song and it was on, they went to Facebook Messenger to tell their friends to come join us. And when they were mad at us, they went to Facebook Messenger to say they tried to watch a free show on Event Live, and it wasn't as good as they hoped. Those data points, either way, our success was turning into business for our competitors pre- and post-acquisition. And so we felt like kind of if you can't beat them, join them. Instead of creating a destination site or trying to remake what iTunes or or any of these bigger companies have done or Netflix with their amazing portals, don't make the Netflix of sports. Bring sports to where people are Mm. and create a business that makes sense for everybody involved. Um, And distribution has changed over the last 100 years. Like having satellite trucks and using cables that were laid by railway companies it doesn't make sense anymore economically and doesn't have to be the only way that the people that put, um, you know, the skates on the ice or the feet on the hardwood could have to monetize, is our point of view, and, and fans benefit from that more direct relationship. That's what we learned at that company, and that's what we're executing here.
0: What are the, the leagues and the teams learning about what fans want out of sports? What do they want to see?
1: Well, I think the primary thing that we've seen that everybody has learned is they want right now they don't need HD, and I think that for a long time the industry was focused on 3D and HD and holograms and all sorts of things that were technically very cool. But what we see is that fans want, first and foremost, right now they don't want it. They don't want to be in the sports bar next door to the stadium, hear the stadium go nuts, and then see the goal. That's not okay anymore. Fans are too smart, and they understand this stuff too well, and they love their teams. Um, And they want free. They want a business model that rewards them for being loyal. Um, And if you can give them right now and free, um, I think that is the winning offering. And and that's obviously we're biased. We're we're gambling on that ourselves. But we're seeing that our growth is predicated on the success of that model proving itself in in the past few years and even more so right now as we start to hit our stride.
0: I'll let you go with this. What is the next thing for Game On?
1: We've been really focused. We've been laser focused on sports. Um we are sports fans ourselves. Our best product features have come from the arguments in the office around the world of sports. Like like this week with the NBA finals on in our backyard. You can imagine there's a lot going on. Um we've expanded into esports. Um I myself don't play a lot of some of these games that are part of the esports world, like like League of Legends and Riot, our first launched client there. But the sporting world is getting into it. I mean, Mark Cuban, I mean these folks are now getting into owning traditional, what we call traditional sports teams, like the Warriors or the the Mavericks or the the, the Kings um, in Sacramento, they now are big owners of sports teams like Team Liquid and NRG um, eSports teams. And um, that's really interesting to us. That world folds over really nicely. Um, And um, we'll be announcing some really exciting stuff there in the very near future um, to to follow up what we've already done. And as an example, we're going to be down at E3, just like we're at every major sporting event um, um, throughout the year. Um, and then um, we're really focused on the world of chat and how we can make it a better experience for fans. And so maybe I'll let Kaylin talk a little bit about that with some of the things we're doing with Google viewing and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, we're really focused on bringing content to users and allowing them to engage with it directly. So it's not just premium content, short-form content, but really all the things they're going to want to know about that content. So, you know, in the sports examples, we bring in highlights, all sorts of news and media, but then we tend to allow users to talk about it and ask questions directly of the NHL or other partners. So really extending yeah. that sort of engagement to content areas that aren't just in the sports and media space over time. And maybe, I know this is kind of a, um, the, the, the bot thing or the bot
1: <laughs> word is a funny one for us. I think if we're successful, we'll erase the word bot from this altogether, <laughs> that this will become a way to watch in the same way that you can go online to you know any number of websites or any number of major tech providers that have done content deals to watch, just like you can watch on TV over a Comcast or a TV or something like that. I think that what we're trying to do is create um, a, a normalcy, a regularity around you can watch your favorite sports and chat with your buddies, and um, you can have more options, not less. And we're trying to bring the world around to that. And we're doing it with an international focus. It's really fun to be working in the U.S. with major leagues that we're working with. But we've been working with Sky Sports and the English Premier League now for three years. We've got Arsenal Club running up in, on their own system with us um, now for a full season going into the next season. And ATP has been live for a few months now. And the goal is to really do this and make it a household name or make it possible to chat with any of your favorite um you know, whether it's favorite players, favorite sports leagues, uh, and not have it be something that's on future sport, but that's on like current sport, hopefully in the next few years, right? Yeah.
3: I mean, ultimately, we want users to be able to expect that they can come to messaging and get this type of content.
0: It's really cool, fascinating, the future of engagement with sports. Alex Beckman and Kalen Stanajev are the co-founders of Game On. Thank you, guys.
3: Thank you very
1: much. Have a great day.
0: Coming up, how D.C. is readying to welcome online sports gamblers. Spoiler, it's a bit complicated. You are going to be able to bet on sports in Washington, D.C. very soon. They are among the jurisdictions nationally who have approved gambling. And when we say in Washington, D.C., we mean like literally when you cross the district line from Maryland or Virginia. But you can't do it anywhere in D.C. And how they track your exact whereabouts, that's interesting in itself. Noah Frank is following all this for WTOP in Washington. Hey, Noah, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Let's start with tracking customers. So I know this isn't new, but it's new for this region. How are they doing it?
4: So uh, when we've looked at other states, uh, and specifically New Jersey and, and states that have had infrastructure, not necessarily even tied just to sports gambling, but to other online uh, services and, and you know daily fantasy sports and things where – sports or, or uh, uh, certain services are legal in some states but not other states um, there are these geo tracking locations that instead of being like an IP address track uh, it's it's much more precise than that down to about 10 feet uh, so they, they can figure out you know if you're <laughs> right now if you're on a ferry between New York and New Jersey or if you know in our case if you were on a, a metro train on your way in or out of the city or coming across the Potomac uh, you know on a water taxi they could tell if you were inside or outside the Actual border and it essentially just blocks you if you're not within within the boundary. Uh, you also get added to a list <laughs> if, or, if you try too many times to uh, to access what will be uh, you know legal gambling in D.C. from outside of D.C. So uh, they basically create this virtual barrier um, that does not allow people who are outside of the district to try to bet. Uh, on the the district-wide app.
0: You know, and and this falls into a category as for the places you can't bet even when you're inside the district lines. There's a number of Different things that this has fallen under a strange purview, like marijuana laws, where people could smoke marijuana because of a loosening of the law in Washington in certain areas, but not other ones because of federal parkland So there are locations that fall under this category, right, with gambling, where even when you're in DC and you've got your phone out, you still won't be able to do it.
4: Yeah. So there's two parts to this, and this is one of the reasons that I wrote the the piece this week for for TOP is we've got this sort of Extended area that's it's under this 1930 Shipstead Loose Act that that was created. Basically, it's all of Rock Creek Park, all the National Mall, all these federal buildings, and and any national parkland. We've got 19 designated national park areas and 55 federal buildings. You know, throughout DC, um, this whole area is carved out, and and currently the lottery can't operate in. It's not allowed to operate in. And the lottery, of course, is running uh, this this citywide app. This, proprietary citywide app uh, for mobile sports betting, and so you also won't be able to bet in those spaces um but then the secondary part of it, which gets a little more complicated and and we still have to kind of see how this shakes out, is you have all of these arenas uh and specifically the 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 big three arenas are capital One and Audi field and nats park uh the entertainment sports arena is technically owned by the city, so they haven't made a call on that one yet, and that's not gonna happen anytime soon but those three private arenas are uh all gonna have the ability to have their own proprietary sports app separate. Uh and we don't know yet are they all gonna work together and have one app, or are they each gonna have their own um, you're gonna have to download onto your phone and use, you know, operate on a separate app when you're within those those venues and maybe one for each venue and then even if you if if a bar or restaurant has a class B license they can do the same thing they can set up you know using some bluetooth technology basically a boundary within the bar and the bar and the patio or whatever to have their own app and so you might have to download an additional app for your favorite bar or restaurant if they choose to go this way there's a lot up in the air in terms of who will actually follow through with this, but but it creates all of these little strange exclusion zones within the city.
0: Um, the other part, too, and this was just a casual mention, because we're used to this and we're in D.C., it's that the D.C. lottery is the one who is going to get the contract to operate this. And I, I know there's going to be some people that hear that and go, how did FanDuel or Patty Power or William Hill not end up with that contract?
4: Yeah, I mean, they certainly were trying to at least not necessarily have the like the proprietary contract but but have an open market like you have in new jersey where you you have a lot of different vendors um and I think you there's a good case to be made that if you do have an open market you have more marketing and advertising dollars being put in and and people offering better odds because they're trying to you know to to attract more customers to their particular um, product and we don't have that here uh it's hard to see how that isn't going to have some kind of a negative impact in terms of, of revenue for the city and tax revenue, just because you're not going to have as many, you know, people trying to get people uh, on board. I, I don't know how well they're, how aggressively they're, they're going to try to market this, um, you, you know, to individuals. Uh, obviously, you, you do have the individual stadiums will have their own. I, I know um, Capital One Arena in particular has. Uh, and says you, know, you know, they have sort of a uh, a working relationship with it, with MGM, and so uh, I expect that that's what that's going to look like. It's going to be somehow affiliated with an MGM app. Um, but it's it's. I mean, like you said, it is a little weird. It is a single operator. It probably means less aggressive uh, marketing, and probably means less money. You know, at the end of the day, for the
0: city. Noah Frank from WTOP in Washington will be continuing to follow that development. Thank you so much, Noah. Thank you. That'll do it for us this week. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.